You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Craft your hero, choose your path, claim your destiny. Call to Adventure is a tabletop game in which players compete to craft the hero with the greatest destiny. Play cards to build your character, cast runes to face challenges, and choose whether to follow a path of heroism or villainy. Play competitively, solo, or co-op. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. We're your hosts, Justin and Ricky. And this week, uh, we are doing quite a bit. We got a review for Call to Adventure. Adventure is calling. Collect. Will you accept the charges? 1-800-C-A-L-A-T-T. Yes, I will. Fair. Um, and we also have a interview in our Kickstarter corner. This so, is true. So we got to speak to Cass from... Tomb Guardians. Tomb Guardians. Without further ado, let's do a roll recap mm-hmm. and talk about what games we've been playing since we last recorded. I will go first. Really... The thing we've been playing mostly is Call to Adventure. I've played a bunch of it mm-hmm. uh, since recorded and, and in the last couple of weeks because since I was a backer, I got it pretty early. So one of the things I was able to pre-play a bunch of games before we started really digging into the review. So with the Phoenix trip, um, didn't get to play too much. And realistically, it was uh, a little bit of Game of Thrones, the card game, another session of Gloomhaven, uh, a little bit of Arkham Horror, the card game, LCG, which... I have to tell you, we had to redo the scenario. We weren't good enough in the one that we played that it actually told us, you go to sleep, you have to do it again tomorrow. Next week, we should be playing that again. Um, Been playing a lot of Call to Adventure because of the review, and since I got it recently, it's also kind of that new hotness thing I've been messing around with. Uh, And then got to try another Kickstarter game called Drawing Dead, which was uh, Open Face Poker. But you got to screw with each other's cards. Like, I had powers and stuff that I could play to, like, have everyone remove their uh, a card out of their hand of their choice. Or you got to take cards from each other. Interesting. And if you had the highest hand uh, with a full goal round around the table, you won the pot. And there was a uh, you had to have $40, $40 at the end to win. So, it was fun. This, uh... Makes me think it's a game that you would find in the casino that uh, the Griswolds went to in Vegas Vacation. Nice. What about you? Well, I played Call to Adventure. Mm. Uh, Shocking. We're going to be reviewing it, so definitely got in on that. Uh, So we uh, played Betrayal Legacy, and now that we've gotten... We we were games 6 and 7 or 7 and 8. Um, we were already halfway. That was eight and nine. That was eight and nine. So we got through eight and nine, and the games are starting to... Aren't you sure those are eight and nine? It was chapter seven and chapter eight. It was games eight and nine, because the prelude is actually zero. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So we did play there's that. There's 13 mm-hmm. chapters total, mm-hmm. but there's 14 games, because zero is the official one. I only know that because we were officially halfway through it. When we started. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They are taking a little bit longer. There's more tiles, more cards, more things to get through. Mm -hmm. So um, it was definitely longer, longer sessions. Yeah. And then we had a good old fifth edition hold us over through part of our time away from the mics. So we had an eventful few weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to just jump straight into the news before we get to our Kickstarter corner. As is our our usual customary, yes. Uh, Since everything was announced right before we recorded our last episode um, with Gamma, we don't have too, too much. Uh, I do know that Plaid Hat has announced that they will be be releasing Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. Uh, It's a worker placement, two to four player competitive game um you essentially just take uh you take the role of a scientist uh working to complete the work of dr frankenstein 
So it does look like it's going to be a little fun. Um, interested to see uh, reviews, everything when those that, that starts coming out. Um, the other thing, uh, Star Wars Outer Rim uh, Fantasy Flight Games has announced that they are putting out a game mat for it. It looks pretty solid. I'm I'm excited for it. I definitely will be picking that up when I pick up the game. Mm-hmm. Just to add a little extra razzle dazzle to it. Yeah. It's a, it's a good idea for that. And then before we dive into our Kickstarter card, we also went to Adepticon over the weekend. Yes, we did. Um, because that is in our backyard, so it was nice and easy to kind of drop in and visit it. And Adepticon is in Schaumburg, Illinois. Every year is a big four, Warhammer 40K, uh, Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Um, Tabletop Miniatures is, mm-hmm. is where Adepticon really came from. But they have um over the years expanded fantasy flight had their presence there with uh x-wing tournaments legend of the five rings tournaments star wars armada and um legion because now that's mm-hmm. a tabletop miniature game so obviously they had legion there mm-hmm. uh keyforge also made a tour stop there so they're doing the big vault tour and uh, they had a stop over at uh adepticon so primarily we didn't actually go see, and I had a couple buddies playing in a team tournament, so I went and checked, them, checked in on them, mm-hmm. and really just kind of saw what Adepticon was about, because I wasn't necessarily into the tabletop game, so I never really visited it until this year. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, for, unfortunately for people like me, you're required to have your army painted before you can participate in any of the games. So, uh, for Kickstarter Corner, we have a little treat. We did get to talk to uh, Kasuwinski from Tomb Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to interview him earlier this week. Uh, so, we are going to check in on that interview. So, this is our Kickstarter Corner, and mm-hmm. we have a special guest with us this episode. Uh, we have Kasuwinski uh, from Tomb Guardians. Hi, Cass. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, guys, for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Right. So, Cass, uh, why don't you introduce a little bit of who you are um, so that we, our listeners can at least get an idea of who you are, and then we'll kind of dive into why you're talking with us today. Oh, that's great. Uh, again, my name's Cass Sawinski. I'm the owner of uh, Tomb Guardian Miniatures, uh, located in Columbus, Ohio. The project actually started with my my son and my wife, and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but... Uh, that's actually what prompted me to get into the business after role-playing many, many years of my life. Okay. So how long have you been in the hobby then? If it's been many years, are we talking first edition Dungeons and Dragons? Are we talking second ed? No, I've been, I've been, wow. Probably or, first, it'd be first edition. Cause I started role-playing back in the, the mid eighties. So okay, it would be first edition and role-played and D and D with my, uh, classmates in high school and then in college and after college and uh just kept on going and still do it today yeah you know what honestly that's kind of my my story too i started when i was in high school and um haven't stopped so uh the games have changed the players have changed but no i still do it the hobby's still great yeah yeah it is it's a great hobby and you know it's one with the computer generation and Mm -hmm. the the phone generation that takes a little bit of your imagination away from actually playing on a computer versus doing a role-playing game. And that's what I enjoy. The imagination that goes into a role-playing game. Definitely. And you were saying that I, it popped in my mind. Like I am actually because of life and things, you know, how people move around and stuff like that. Like it almost technology is also allowing us to keep playing for people who move away. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Have you, even, have you tried that before? Actually, we have I uh, I have some good friends. Well, we got well, they're all over the place, but uh, right, they live in uh, Connecticut, uh, Colorado, and of course, mm-hmm. up in Ohio. We try to get together every other week or every third week to to get together and just do a a role playing session. Yeah, uh, online through Roll Twenty. Yeah. Oh, that's that, awesome. that that's yeah. what I was thinking. I, I'm in a Roll Twenty game myself because it's like we're in my groups are like you across four states. We all grew up in in the Illinois area where I'm from, but life took us all in different directions. So it was, it's neat 
where I totally agree. Being at the table is one experience, but being able to use that technology to kind of bring that back and keep those connections is always fun, mm. too. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. I mean, kind of stinks that life has to get in the way of our role playing, but <laughs> <laughs> we all grow up and have right. kids and move off off to different parts of the country. And mm-hmm. actually, one of my best friends, he lives in Switzerland, so he gets involved oh, wow. every now and then, too. So assuming when the, when the time zones line up right. Well, I don't know if it ever lines up right because he's <laughs> seven hours seven hours uh, ahead of us. But uh, he does uh, uh, DM for us, so oh, he cool. will oh. he will stay up to wee hours in the morning for the for the party. And actually, he's one of my partners in this process that we're going to talk about today. Awesome, oh, cool, awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Is there a particular favorite game that you have? I like a lot of things. I mean, if I had to pick one of one favorite thing, if it if it was a, a game, it would be. I, I love sports, so I've always been involved in sports. My my children are involved in sports. Cool. Uh, in the game industry, like I said, I, lo- I like to role play. I like board games. Our, our our latest board game that the family's playing, or me and my son's playing, is uh, Gloomhaven. That, Ooh, that we good. love that game and. It just takes a lot of space and a lot of time to play it. Yes. Um, I've got a small group doing a, a Gloomhaven uh, campaign right now. We're like maybe five, six scenarios in. And it just is not going to end. And we're not going to get through it in any reasonable amount of time. But we're enjoying the, the, a lot of it. So mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit about uh, Tomb Guardians here next. And so what's the origin of Tomb Guardians? Um, you kind of alluded it started with your wife and, and kids. Where, where did the company kind of formulate from there? Well, like I said, I've, I've played D&D my whole life. And through the years, the, there's a convention here in Columbus, uh, Origins. Uh, mm-hmm. Many of us are, are familiar with that. And I've run a role-playing dungeon crawl adventure at that convention over the years. And over the years, it's got a larger and larger crowd that's wanted to play and my my son is now 12, and last year after the convention, he came home and told my my wife how much of a success it was, and how many people wanted to play. And my wife then said, "Hey, why don't you write the rules and publish your rules if it, if it's that successful and people mm-hmm. like to play it, and that's something you've always wanted to do." And it was something I've always wanted to do. It's kind of like what we were talking about. Life gets in the way, and you always have something else you want to do. So right. at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to sit down and write the rules for the game. So I sat down, unbeknownst to myself, not knowing how difficult it is to write a set of rules and how much actual time it takes. And boy, it takes a long time to write a set of rules because you have to start from the basics basically starting with mm-hmm. nobody knows anything about your game uh so uh so i started writing the rules and during that process my uh, wife said well do you have miniatures that go along with the the game and i was like no i i just generally use what's on the market or the miniatures that i have because i've got a quite a collection of myself uh, just like most people do i was gonna say yeah you've been playing since the 80s so if you don't have a, a giant pile of mini somewhere <laughs> I've got more I, unpainted lead than I've got painted. <laughs> I've got a whole well, closet dedicated to it. <laughs> uh, I think I think it, it's for people who have been in the the hobby as long as we have. That's a that's kind of a given. Um, because it all goes back to time of man, that mini looks cool. Let's get that. I'm gonna paint that someday. And then like the second, third, fourth, tenth, twentieth mini shows up after it, and you still haven't painted that first one. Oh, absolutely. And so. not only do I do fantasy, I also do historic, historical mm. Civil War and World War Two, And oh, I've nice. got a vast collection. I tease my son all the time. I was like, you see that closet? That is your unpainted collection that you're going to get when I pass away someday. He's like, what am I going to do with that? I was like, paint it. <laughs> so, uh, right. so during the going back start to now. my wife. I'm sorry? <laughs> he can start painting it now and get ahead of exactly. the game. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. He, no, he lets dad he lets dad paint all this stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, so she she said basically. So she asked, and I was like, "No, I don't have uh, my own set of miniatures for for our game." So she's like, "Well, why don't you do that?" And I was like, "Well, costs a lot of money, 
And she's like, well, if that's a, a, a passion of yours and that's something that you want to do, why don't you look into it? So that's essentially what I did. Okay. So I reached out to some friends in the industry. They got me in touch with uh, uh, Fortress Miniatures, mm-hmm. uh, Ben and Jeff. And Ben and Jeff, I uh, spoke with them, and they're two real, real nice guys. They uh, essentially got me got a hold of some sculptors for me and to see if they would even be interested in talking with me and they were so we I sat down and through a phone for through many phone calls spoke with uh, Jason Weeby and Bobby Jackson mm-hmm. which are two of our sculptors now and I, I told them what I wanted in regards to a miniature and what my sites were and what my goals were for a miniature line and if they would be interested in helping create my my vision and they were which was awesome because they're two of the best sculptors in the world Uh, Mm -hmm. most of most of uh, the people know those two because they produce miniatures for reaper and whiz kids so uh, so as i was writing the rules we decided in July of last year uh, we're going to launch a, a set of miniatures and kickstart those miniatures in the late fall. So mm-hmm. the first set was a, a group of dwarves and monsters that uh, we re- released uh, mm-hmm. uh, last last fall. Nice. And then... Um... So Kickstarter was kind of your vehicle because it wasn't necessarily the passion or... Um, the ability because you found really, really talented sculptors to work with you. It was just more of a, hey, I need to be able to do this financially. Um, and then crowd, no, that's kind of the beauty of crowdfunding then. Right. And, you know, Kickstarter is a great platform. And it was, I've never did a Kickstarter before. I've never uh, tried to launch a project on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I learn a lot on the first Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it's the old adage, what you don't know, you really don't know. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, our first Kickstarter wasn't successful. Uh, uh, the main reason was is uh, I set the, the goal for the amount of fund just way too high. And okay. we, raised, we raised a lot of money for our first Kickstarter. We almost raised $18,000 on our first Kickstarter. Wow, that is but I set yeah. the goal too high. I should have set it at 5000 instead of 25000 and we'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, uh, we, I canceled the, the, the campaign right at the end. And mm-hmm. then we launched it on a pre-sale, pre-order basis right afterwards. And it was a, a very big success. And fortunately, it was a success. So that allowed us to then re, uh, revamp uh, and launch a second Kickstarter, which is going on actually right now, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Right. Yeah, Valorous Vampires. Excellent. So that that's a really cool story. And I, I love the piece of, like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Because um, I recently changed my, my day job. And I, for, like, the last two months, that's really what my catchphrase at work has been, is like, oh, do you know how to do this? Like, I don't know what I don't know. Um, so by learning by that failure and, and, you know, taking it as like, you know, what it's a lesson learned. Let's, and then what you, you even said, like, Hey, but I set that pledge, uh, that, that campaign goal too high, looking at your new campaign, you already course corrected and made sure that you're not coming in too hot so that you can actually get funded and make this project a success. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's exactly right. And we had a lot of people. Being that it was our first Kickstarter, we got a lot of advice from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the first campaign, we had a lot of pledge pledge levels, and that was kind of hard uh, for people to understand. So I want mm-hmm. I very much simplified the pledge levels. There's three different pledge levels in, in this one to make it easy for people, and we learned a lot. We absolutely learned a lot, and uh, we appreciate everybody's advice and help that they gave us. Cool. That's awesome. So, you, um, the new Kickstarter right now um, is the uh, Queen of the Damned. Um, what what chose you to go with uh, vampires this round? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the 
the Kickstars were doing when we first launched. I'm gonna take a step back here. The, sure. That we launched the Dwarves first, and now Vampires second. They these projects are a smaller version of a big game that's we're going to release here later this fall which is a role-playing and dungeon crawl adventure kind of like the old D&D modules where you could go through a D&D adventure and go through a dungeon and have multiple levels now our game is not going to be that complicated but essentially you'll be able to pick a party of five characters go through uh the first level and as you go through the different levels there are certain objectives that you have to accomplish and by accomplishing that you'll be able to increase your your party's stats or individual stats or find magic weapons armor gold and so on and so forth okay. uh, so the factions that we're releasing there's eight factions in our world for that game and being that the doors and the vampires are two of those factions, the doors being a good faction, the vampires being an evil faction, the other faction, there's six other factions. The other factions, the good factions are uh, elves and templars. There's two neutral factions, the barbarians and a, uh, a group of female Amazons. It's a, a group of 10 female Amazons. And then we have uh, orcs and dark elves as being the two other evil factions. So that's the group of eight factions for the particular game. And each faction will have their own set of miniatures and special abilities in the game. And everybody's a little bit different. Okay, definitely. Very cool. And then I also saw, um, jumping ahead, um, you do have the Amazons that are going to be on Kickstarter, um, May 14th, something. Well, it, yeah, we're planning the Patrick, uh, Patrick, uh, Keith is the sculptor actually for our, uh, female faction of Amazons. Okay. I think we're going to push that off a little bit till more the end of May, maybe beginning okay. of June, but okay. it'll be in that time frame. But that's the next Kickstarter that we're going to release, which will be a group of female Amazons, which will have 10 characters and then uh, monsters also. So nice. a similar amount of miniatures will be right around 20 miniatures in that, uh, that set also. That's awesome. Okay. And um, then I so, do know, um, we're, we're a big fan of, um, these are all metal figures too. Not only that you threw, um, what was it? Uh, you threw a guarantee on them. Uh, for five years, was it? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's exactly right. One thing that, being that I've gamed my whole, essentially my whole life, I like the feel of metal miniatures. Mm -hmm. I like the weight. Mm -hmm. I don't like the the resin figures. I, I know that we have plans eventually to offer that because there are people that like that that feel. True. Uh, we offer just right now all our miniatures are spun cast in metal. We offer a five-year guarantee is if you break one of my minis or one of our minis, all I got to do is mail it back to us and we'll mail you a new one for free. Like a sword or an arm falls off because, you know, they got banged up or something. Yeah, if somebody breaks off a staff or breaks a whatever, an arm or takes off a head, all I got to do is mail it back to us and we'll replace it for free. I mean, I I feel that confident that... Yeah, that our minis are, are very high in detail, very high mm -hmm. quality miniatures. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I met you guys at, at Adepticon uh, this right. past mm -hmm. week. Most of the people out there don't know who we are because we're relatively new. We only opened last July. Right. But it doesn't take long once you hold one of our minis in our hand and in your hand to see the, the quality and weight of our minis. Right. And you, you say that because, you know, um, we got in contact with you and it was this nice like, OK, look, you know, I wanted to kind of see who who you guys were, too. And I was looking at these you know, the dwarf minis uh, that you had already released and the vampire minis. And I showed them to a couple of my friends who are big on the D&D &D minis line and went, hey, take a look at these. And, you know, you've been doing minis a lot longer than I have. What, you know, give me some thoughts. And like everything I've heard is positive, like the, between the detail, the uniqueness of them because the one thing that kind of struck me is like okay i thought about it. i'm like well vampire's a vampire but you've got a dozen vampires here yeah we have 10 and 10 different vampires or yeah 10 set that uh 
and the, the reason there is 10 is when we release, again, our game, uh, an individual that buys the faction will get a set of six miniatures. Hmm. Uh, there'll be four additional miniatures they can pick up if they don't like one of the miniatures in the set. That Say they don't like what the uh, the ranged character is, and he'd rather have, instead of a bowman, a crossbowman. So he'll be able to, or he or she'll be able to pick up a, a crossbowman. But in this particular set of, uh, for the vampires, we have Queen Valrith, which there's a mm-hmm. story behind what Queen, who Queen Valrith is. Uh, my wife has been a very large component and very strong uh, supporter in this whole campaign vision of mine. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to do something nice for her. And I asked her way back last year, Hey, I want to maybe sculpt or have a figure made that represents you. What would you, what do you want to, what would you do? And she knew the factions and she said, well, yeah. I want to be the head vampress. So that's how, so <laughs> the Queen Valrith, the story behind it. Now, my wife, you have to understand my wife. She is not a board gamer. She is not a role-playing mm-hmm. uh, person. She thinks we're crazy when all my friends get together. But uh, she will play board games with the kids. So right. the, the Queen's dress is actually sculpted after my wife's wedding dress when we got married. So the the actual character doesn't look her, but the the dress is actually sculpted. Jason sculpted her dress for the queen. So that was oh, pretty that, cool. That is super cool. And that was my my thank you to her. Mm-hmm. Um, the other characters in the uh, the uh, the group is we have a of course a soul reaper, which is the necromancer. Mm-hmm. We have a cleric, uh, which is Demetra the Hollow. Uh, we have a really one of my favorite characters, I think, in the whole group. Is of course, besides my wife's character, is uh, the anti-paladin we have here, which is uh, Lothari, the Death Hand. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably my my favorite. He's an anti-paladin. He is a Templar anti-paladin. So, if you notice, the vampires aren't run by a a male uh, vampire. It's run by a female. Right uh, household, so all the characters, the, the the three top characters, the the queen, the mage, and the cleric are female characters. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is uh, is a male slave to them and serves her purpose. And then we have two uh, 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 grave spirits in the group, and then mm-hmm. four male warriors: a barbar- a, bar- a barbarian, a templar an elf and an orc uh, male slave. Okay. Yeah. Like looking through it, like, yeah, you definitely have uh, a matriarchal uh, vampire society here. So when it comes to um, all the minis, do you um, talk to the sculptors and say, Hey, I'm kind of thinking I want um, like skeletons and just let them run crazy or do you go to them and tell them um i kind of like this kind of style i like that the way that this looks can we sculpt something that looks similar or how, how's that creative process uh go for them well the sculptors i have i'm fortunate in the in the regards that i tell i tell them my, my vision or what i'm looking for and they take the ball essentially and run with it. Uh, I'm like again an old time gamer. I like the mm-hmm. old Ralph Partha look, the old D and D miniature look, and that's pretty much what you'll see with our dwarves and our monsters and our vampires. It's not the the modern age look uh, creatures or characters out there. Mm-hmm. I want the more of the old style look. So I told I and I, I've expressed that to all our sculptors and Bobby and Jason have done a really good job. So I will tell them that, Hey, like this particular Kickstarter, I'll tell them, um, I told Jason, these are the particular characters that I have. This is what I'm looking for, but I don't direct them how to sculpt the figure. I mean, they, that's, Mm -hmm. they are so good at what they do and their creativity Okay. Uh, I don't want to interrupt in that. That's that's their job. So, you know, more of like, hey, the vampire cleric is going to be 
you know, female, maybe, uh, you know, staff wielder, and then you just let them run from there. Yeah, actually, that was a, that was a, that was a good point. The only thing for speaking of the cleric is I told Jason, I was like, Jason, the the cleric needs to be a female. Uh, I want her to have long hair and I need something to represent uh, a moon on on her body or on her staff because in our game there are three different moons in the game that affect each each faction based upon if the moon is in rising or fall, falling okay. and i'm not going to get into the, the rules but in this particular case the vampires follow the black moon or the dark moon and on her staff if you look at her staff where he put the moon is right at the top of her staff mm-hmm. so i had of course our our uh, our professional painter, which is Mary Prophet, paint that particular moon black, and so you can it sticks out. Oh, that's yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the other thing, Cass, is like I know we've been talking about the the the, the Kickstarter here, but you you know looking through uh, the Tomb Guardian site, you know there was also you had your dun- like dungeon tiles too, mm-hmm. um, which I gotta say I don't know if I've ever seen. Dungeon tiles that are in the sense of like non-standard dungeon types. I, I or or at least they're hard to come by. Like I was really, I was like, oh, what are dwarven tiles looking like? And I was like, wow, that's awesome. We yeah, were we, we were off- kicking out. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we offer the dungeon tiles. I, for, uh, I can't claim that those are our dungeon tiles. We are authorized to sell those those. Dungeon tiles; those are mm-hmm. actually Dragonlock's dungeon okay. tiles. But we're authorized to sell them, and they got some great tiles uh, mm-hmm. that we offer. Uh, now, saying that with the game that we are releasing in mm-hmm. the fall, we are currently in the midst of designing our own dungeon tiles to go with the adventure. So, the first adventure that you're going to go through for the module is a lost, forgotten dwarven mine. So okay. I have an I have uh, Ian Love Lovecraft. You probably saw maybe his Kickstarter that was out there. That just I mean he did great on his last Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he's helping us create the dungeon. So we'll be able to when a player plays the adventure, they'll be able to purchase an entire set of dungeon tiles to. Uh, fit the theme of the dungeon so when they go through the first level they'll be able to break it down and then play uh, level two three four five and uh, down to ten where with the one set of dungeon tiles that they purchase so oh, cool. uh, they don't have to, to buy multiple sets or multiple uh, collections to to play every level of the dungeon once you buy one you'll be able to break it down and play it for the second third fourth fourth level and so on uh, and the game's also set up so uh, it'll only take you two or three hours to go through each level of the dungeon. So it's not one of these campaigns that mm-hmm. takes four years or two years to play. It's actually a, a game where you could sit down with your friends and, and play it in, in a night and then break it down and come back later and play again. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So um, kind of so the Kickstarter's still going live now. When is that going to end we end here in 13 days on the 14th, midnight on the 14th. Uh, we hit our first stretch goal the other night. We're approaching the second stretch goal now, which is at the $9,000 level, which is a set of three coffins. Uh, the mm-hmm. next uh, the next stretch goal is the, the Skeletal Bowman. And uh, give a little bit of hint for people out there. We're going to announce it here in the next day or two. I don't know if you saw our figures, but we have a Lich Queen in mm-hmm. the collection. And we've snuck her out a little bit and and teased people on when that's going to, when people want to know when that's going to be released. But it's coming very shortly. Uh, and that's one of the, the coolest figures that is in mm-hmm. this collection. Besides the vampires, the stretch goals, she's a really cool figure. Right. And then looking at it, uh, you got a couple add ons too. Yeah, we have a mausoleum add-on that uh, people can uh, add on to. And we also have uh, a set of three zombies for $18 or $3 a fig. And then 
we also have a sarcophagus. I think it's like seven dollars or something uh, per sar- yeah. sarcophagus. What I wanted to do, I just didn't want to offer people just miniatures in the campaign or in mm-hmm. in this campaign. It's when you play, and you guys know this, when you play a campaign or D and D, it's more than just the miniature. There, it's the theme and it's the settings mm-hmm. behind. Right the the game that you're playing and i wanted to get some other accessory pieces that are that fit the theme right and that that seems to be you know you're you're striking each each piston here is i've looked through the 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 kickstarter and i see like it drips theme throughout the entire process all the minis have you know a similar feel um your professional painter did a really good job of like making sure the color schemes are nice and blended together. So, you know, when you put them together, you know, you got your collection pictures and they just look like they belong together. Yeah. She did. She, our, our, our painter, we, we use a, a number of painters, but they did mm-hmm. a really, really nice job. I mean, I, I, they, I can't paint anywhere close to what they can paint. And it, it, it's just, it's scary how well some people can paint. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Mary paints a lot of our, our miniatures for us, uh, the, for the showcase for our showcase miniatures. And there's mm-hmm. one in there. It, it's a serpent and she painted it like an anaconda mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound hard. It doesn't sound like it's hard to imitate that paint scheme. And I have tried on now six different serpents <laughs> by dry brushing it and airbrushing it. And I just can't, I just can't do it. And I've tried, and it's frustrating. And so now they're all just one shade. That just isn't <laughs> that way. oh yeah. And I've I've got to say, I mean, we got a we got an up close look at the figures uh, this past weekend, and I mean they're they're beautiful figures. I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to hopefully snagging a few and uh, being able to paint them. I mean, I know I'm not going to get anywhere near where they were <laughs> in that case, but still, they're they're beautiful. So yeah. I appreciate that, guys. You know what? I can't get anywhere close either. <laughs> I can't, not even close. I don't even. I, I given up trying. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and that's you know, I we were looking at like the. I don't know if you had the time to uh, step away from your booth at Adepticon and take a look at like the painted cases for the competition models at all. Yeah, I did it down, down, uh, down those cases, and I'll yeah. tell you, they're just breathtaking. I, <laughs> right, the, the amount, of, the amount of work that they put into it, and they do, and I mean, I couldn't even, I could spend weeks and not even come close to what they do in a couple hours. So it just, it's <laughs> I, breathtaking. Yeah, that, exactly. So it, it, I love. I actually, what's one of the things I love about this hobby is like you can get all sorts of walks of life into it based on like you just like to paint stuff like look at these beautiful minis that you can get and paint oh and by the way there's a game attached to it or mm. hey here's a game well if you want to try painting go for it yeah exactly and i mean you know i have friends that play games and they don't paint their figures they don't want to paint them but mm-hmm. you know what it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter no. if you paint or not mm. what matters at the end of the day is did you have fun mm-hmm. absolutely did you have fun at the end of the day and did you have fun with your friends Mm-hmm. And no. that's essentially why I started this particular company. If somebody can have joy in my figures and in my products and our company's products, that's what I want. And that that's the point. And if your figure breaks and you need to send it back to me, that's fine. I mean, send me back the figure and I'll replace it just so you can have the joy of playing with that figure that you like. That's the point. Sounds good, Cass. So um, I'm, think that's about all the questions that we had for you anything else you want to toss in uh related to the kickstarter or in general i think you really ended on a good note of just it's all about having fun yeah no i really don't i appreciate you guys having me on it was great meeting you guys we'll be back at adepticon next year excellent Uh, we're going to be at uh, origins uh here uh in the middle of june it's the father father's day weekend Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as my wife decides not to give birth on that weekend, that week, I will be there. And if anybody is going to Origins, we are demoing our game all week that that week. Uh, awesome. So you'll be able to not only be able to play in the game and see our miniatures, but we also will have. Uh, you can look at what our dungeon tiles for the game are going to look like because we're going to have the actual dungeon tiles there. So 
Oh, very uh, cool. And then we're going to also be at, uh, well, the company will be at uh, Gen, Gen Con, too, mm-hmm. to uh, perform at Gen Con and show our managers and sell our, sell our products there at Gen Con. Excellent. Yeah, I don't think uh, we personally have a plan to get to Origins because um, it's just we can only hit so many places at, uh, in a year. But uh, we will be at Gen, Gen Con. Con. Yeah, we'll definitely oh, stop by and check everything out because I mean, you guys are everything you guys have put out so far just looks amazing. So I can't wait to see what else you guys have coming. Yeah, I mean, at Gen Con, here's a little kicker for you. We're hoping to release our or Kickstarter right before Gen Con. So we're going to be we're in the process of that now. So we can, we can talk about that on another day. Oh, yeah. I absolutely appreciate you guys. I mean, I could talk for hours. I, I, I'm so passionate about it. I can talk <laughs> about this for hours. But I know you guys are on a, a limited time frame. But I do appreciate you guys having me on. We Sounds good, Cass. Appreciate you. you coming on. Thank you very much for you know coming on after going through a, a, a four-day con, too. So um, I know what I was like after cons, Anything, yeah. any con I've been to. So uh, <laughs> I, I my suggestion, rest up feel better uh avoid that con crud if you can and uh, we'll talk to you in the future and and hopefully we'll just see you at gen con um absolutely and going to origins can visit you at origins and definitely i'll put the show note in the show notes today the link to the kickstarter so if anyone's interested in backing your game or backing the at least the queen of the damned they can get on that and start following you for the next stuff so thanks again Cass. i appreciate it guys have a great night all right, we're back. So now to the nitty-gritty of our review our of review. Call to Adventure by Brotherwise Games. Call to Adventure was a Kickstarter last year. Um, happened around Gen Con time. Mm-hmm. They actually showed off their the prototype at Gen Con, so I got we got to play it a little bit mm-hmm. and actually went, okay, cool. This is what this game is about. So boom, backed it and got this game. Uh, it's put up by Brotherwise Games, um, designed by Chris and Johnny O'Neill. So they're the brothers of Brotherwise Games. Um, Brotherwise Games' other big project was Boss Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also done Unearthed, so they actually have a couple games under their belt now. And their designs are a little bit a step out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. Call to Adventure at its roots is a fantasy-style hero crafting game where you kind of draft cards and build your little tableau worth of cards Mm -hmm. and you get better as you go because they add more abilities and then all of a sudden by the end you just kind of tally up your points and figure out what you've earned versus what someone else has earned but the interesting twist is all these cards are like little story elements and you kind of build this story with this character whether they're a hero whether they're a villain um tragic things happen in their lives crazy romance or whatever mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a you know you get a story out of it when you're by the time you're done playing it. and while you're playing it it's kind of building you're kind of seeing like a early stages like if we want to put in a D setting your your low levels your mid levels and then your high level stuff mm-hmm. because like your low level cards are like oh you're in a street fight mid levels okay now we're like imprisoned or where going to university or something like that or discovering something mystical and then the higher stuff like oh now there's a demon army we're unseating uh, a queen that's the basics of call to adventure one to four player game because there is a solo and it's typically competitive but there is a co-op version Mm -hmm. uh, which i'll let you speak more to because you got to experiment with the solo mode a little bit better Mm -hmm. than i did and then they recommend 13 plus and it's more like icon knowledge and uh, reading skills are needed for it. Um, play their suggested play is 30 to 60 minutes, two players. That's pretty accurate. When you add a third or fourth player, just because you're adding more turns, it grows a little bit longer. Um, I was averaging about 90 minutes when it was um, a higher player count. Mm-hmm. So, but it scales very well from two to four. You were our demoer for solo, so I'll let you speak to that in a moment. Um, the one thing I do want to talk about the Kickstarter itself is um, don't really feel that you le- left out on much on the Kickstarter. Most of what the stretch goals were were like 
extra story cards or extra origins and not much actual game mechanics. So there's a couple like exclusive cards, but they're not game-breaking ones. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would say is there's a cloth bag that backers got that was for the runes. You really don't need it. Um, a dice tray, something like that, works just fine. And we'll talk about the runes in a little bit here because that's kind of one of the other unique things about the game. The upcoming expansions, because they're already kind of forward-thinking, they're getting fan- major fantasy authors on board with this, and they actually got like two of my personal favorite ones. The first expansion is going to be named um, the from the King Killer Chronicles, Name of the Wind, with the Patrick uh, from Patrick Rothfuss, and be set in his world. The second expansion is from Brandon Sanderson's world called the Star, uh, Stormlight Archives. So we're going to get flavor cards from those worlds, and you can actually craft stories based in these author worlds, uh, opposed to the core box, which is a pretty generic fantasy world that they kind of just like threw together because there's a king there's a demon army there's super generic every fantasy world pretty much has these base elements no matter what mm. it's like D on a plate so initial thoughts when you present open the box presentation what do you think initial reactions for this um i do enjoy what they've done instead of putting dice or putting um the normal type of things in the box that you expect from a board game. So it was refreshing. It was new. Mm -hmm. There is a lot to take in when you open up the box. There's a lot to take in going through the manual. I mean, I I thoroughly enjoy, they really used all the space in this box too. So, right. One. Um, so with the, when you have to make a test or make a challenge, you're actually throwing two sided ruins. So they're kind of like dice. And that's one of my, it's a new tactile feel, yes, but realistically, they're just two-sided dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're throwing different versions of those, um, which give you a little bit different feel, which is all right. But with that, you're getting different combinations based on what skills and, and mm-hmm. abilities you've already picked up, and that modifies your chances. And what it then tends to do is, if you're going down more evil, darker paths, or if you're going down mystical paths, you're going to get the mystic style, like intelligence and wisdom or charisma stuff. And then that's just kind of kind of build and play and build into a more, this is what it designed to do. So you kind of only get better at the things that you're already doing. Mm-hmm. So if you have to shift gears or, or like you said, when there's stuff out there and you're not really set up for that, it can really hinder you too. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a nice mechanic with the dark runes where you can tempt dark fate. It's, you spend some of your experience points, which are also end of end game scoring points. But with those experience points, you're able to add these extra runes in there and kind of give yourself a little edge with a little bit of a uh, risk. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial thoughts is the presentation and art of this game is where it's really shiny. Mm-hmm. All of the art is gorgeous. I can't really find a single piece around a card that I'm like so-so on. There's a couple of the uh, action cards, the hero or anti-hero cards that I'm like, nah, it's okay. But compare that's only because I'm comparing it to the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. If it was like in any other game, it would be outstanding art. It just happens to be the weakest of the good art. The manual, you've already touched on it. You learn to play is a little bit tough. They did put out a updated version on BoardGameGeek. Um, this was one of those things that they added some clarity, made sure the things weren't contradicting, because there's a couple rules in the printed manual that were almost contradicting to each other if you didn't read them very, very, very carefully. Mm-hmm. Also, like, uh, Brotherize has been really good about working, you know, Listening to the community, responding to the community. They're very engaged with everyone playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like that someone put like a little cheat sheet out that he's been putting underneath his mats. And Brotherwise themselves retweeted it. So the moment I saw that, I downloaded that. I'm like, this is fantastic. You know, it really helps out with me trying to play when I'm by myself. Right. So... Um, I like the game a little bit better with higher player counts mm-hmm. compared to lower player counts. Because um, I initially played it one-on-one. It was alright. Mm-hmm. Um, the one issue or 
slight issue with the game that I feel is there's really no catch-up mechanic if you fall behind the curve. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about that is in a multiplayer game, each turn you either can take what they call a talent card, which is essentially if you meet the prereqs of the card, you can just take it, add it to your tableau. If you don't have that or want to make one of the challenges, that's where you use the runes to test whatever skill that you're that challenge is associated with and if you pass you grab it if you don't it gets discarded you get an experience point and you move on the game is set up in like three phases so there's act one act two act three act two doesn't unlock until the first player um who has three act one cards starts their turn then act two is unlocked and they get to build off act two you're only limited is to three act or three cards under any one act Mm-hmm. so essentially you get first player to nine cards is the one who sets the pace of the game if I'm succeeding everything I'm trying to do and I don't screw up because I have the right choices I have make the right roles whatever and you mess up something you're now like a turn behind me mm-hmm. and if you become like two turns behind me there's really no way unless I screw up for you to catch up I experienced this firsthand. Um I played with my girlfriend informed me that this is in fact not Harry Potter. She was just nailing every single uh, like rune roll. Mm-hmm. So she got pretty far ahead of me. She ended up just whomping me because she just couldn't fail. And it got to the end of the game and she was well ahead of me and I struggled to get past uh, Act 2. So that would be my... Um little bit of a design complaint on that particular feature is there's really no way for you to catch up if you fall behind like that. You're almost just hoping for them to screw up mm-hmm. so that you have the chance to catch up. There is some anti-hero cards, mm-hmm. which are kind of like your player interaction of like, oh, you've passed that? Well, I'm going to play this card and you could have to redo it at a higher difficulty. Mm-hmm. But if you pass both times... Now we're still where we were a moment before. Not necessarily a bad thing. I like the the interaction between players in that. I just... That, that catch-up mechanic isn't there enough mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And I'm not saying that... I don't know. It's just hard for, for me to get behind the fact that if a player screws up and isn't going perfectly, there's just no way for them to catch up or, or win. The uniqueness of the game, the the flow, the fact that they got major um, fantasy authors on board is what's keeping me very highly engaged. Mm-hmm. The story element, the the liveliness of the game, of where you're actually crafting and actually it organically tells a story. And I haven't seen one yet that really just doesn't work. The one thing I would say personally is in the manual it does say on your first play, just draw one origin, one motivation, one destiny card for every player. Where the regular rules, you get two when you pick. Mm -hmm. You get two of each, and then you pick which ones you're using. I would almost always tell people just deal out two. Because the problem is there are some of them that do not synergize together. Mm -hmm. They actually fight against each other. And if you are just bad luck and get uh, those non-working combinations, you are going to be behind and you're not going to have fun. Mm Mm-hmm. The level of gamer, and this is more geared towards, if anything, I would say it's someone who's played many different games, is willing to learn something on the fly, um, someone who's played more than just Monopoly. It's a midweight game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not put this in a heavyweight category. There's plenty of choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I have played with a couple of people who have been prone to analysis paralysis. It does hurt them Mm -hmm. because now they're looking at like four or five different cards and they have to try and decide. But I I put it still in that medium weight category because as long as you're picking a car that's working towards your end goal, you know, looking at what you have and kind of what where you're missing Mm -hmm. and and you're doing well enough, those decision points are not going to be as impactful. How solo mode work versus the regular game? Um, you essentially draw um, an adversary 
and you you pretty much just play against yourself. So it it is it's it's still very fun. Um, I feel like playing solo, I got a lot more of a story for myself out of it versus playing co-op or um, competitively because it was all about what I was doing by myself. Um, again, the one downside that I did have was I'm trying to build my character a certain way, but I can't do that with what's on the board in front of me. Mm-hmm. Now it's just me really trying to trying to clear out the board so I can find something that will work for me. Your adversary is working just to get experience. So, uh, well, they're they're working, uh, and if they get more than uh, five experience, they win. Overall, final thoughts. I enjoy the game. It's a medium weight game. It's on the quicker side of things, so it doesn't take up a whole evening. It allows you to play something else, mm-hmm. but it's not too quick where the game's going to be over, and then you're going to go, well, that was 15 minutes of fun. Mm-hmm. What's next? It does cover a lot of the elements that you like in a story-based game, a narrative-based game, with just enough choices where it seems to be interesting every time, and you're not just trying to... You're still trying to maximize, per mm-hmm. se, I never saw myself trying to, oh, this is going to make my story sound better. I always, I've always played the game in such a way where I'm going after the thing that I can logically get mm-hmm. based on the chances I, I have, or it's going to give me some points or something that is going to work out in my in, in the end. Mm-hmm. But they always have come up in this organic sort of. It does make sense for the story I was building. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the hidden beauty of this game that the box and everything is not going to show you how elegant that piece of it is. Mm-hmm. So. And that was that that hits the nail right in the head. That that is one of the best parts of it is of all the cards that get laid out in front of you. It all works together. It all works with your your origin. All works with your your destiny. Mm-hmm. So it's. It makes it seem like everything flows very, very nicely. And even if you fail, you failing that even sounds like it could be a legit part of your journey to your destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, my overall thoughts on it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would really like to play a game with more than two people. Sure. Um, just because it's going to give it a whole new dynamic. So... Nice thing is, Brotherwise um, did get the Kickstarters out first, uh, so it is available for retail. Nice thing is, it is at that $40 price point, so it has a nice, easy, not these $50, $60, $70, $100, $150 games, looking at you, Twilight Imperium, that have a high cost of entry, low cost for medium-weight game, very good. So that's called to Adventure. Definitely, I would say it's something to pick up and something to enjoy uh, if you like the story crafting games or you like really great fantasy art. While it is out on retail, we are going to be doing a giveaway. Brotherwise Games did supply us with a uh, retail copy to give away to our listeners. Keep an eye out on our social media. We're going to post it on our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Instagram. Uh, we will have it up right after this. Uh, this episode is published, so if you're listening to this, definitely just go straight to our social media, whichever flavors you enjoy. Next time on Tabletop Arcanum, we are going to review another game. You may have heard of it, Battle for Hogwarts. Oh, I'm so excited. So until then, this is Justin. And this is Ricky. Once again, thank you to Cass for our interview and talking about the Tomb Guardians. Make sure to remember to check out the kickstarter we'll have the link in the show notes it should be still going on a little bit longer after uh, about another week after we put this out so you still mm-hmm. have time to get in on that if that's something interesting so call to adventure follow social media follow social media i guess maybe that's something. your destiny you are gonna have to decide the journey on the way there something 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 dark side Listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. 
You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.